Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Today, I'm going to be talking about the most improved teams in the NFL through this free agency, and there is still quite a big of big-name free agents left on the market, a veteran Julio Jones, safety Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. Where are they going to land? When are they going to make of their decision? Then I'm going to talk about John Morant shutting it down for the rest of the regular season in hopes for a strong playoff push. And yesterday, the Phoenix Suns clinched the best record in the NBA. I'm going to dive down what that means, and is that really a sign of good things to come for the Phoenix Suns? Then I'm going to talk more about March Madness, a couple of number one seeds going down yesterday, and what I expect for the rest of the tournament is we are almost halfway done with March Madness, who I've got tonight. So let's get started with the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs signing wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantley. If this is your consolation prize, Kansas City, for the trade of Tyreek Hill, please hope not. If your goal is to trade Tyreek Hill, the fastest player in the NFL, the most dynamic wide receiver in the NFL for cap space, and to spend $36 million on a three-year deal to MBS, Marquez Valdez-Scanley. I don't like how much money that he got, but then again, I'm going to talk about the wide receiver contracts in just a second. I don't like how much money he spent for him, considering he's not a number one wide receiver. The Chiefs don't have a number one wide receiver on their team. Juju Smith-Schuster is a number two. Marquez Valdez-Scantley is a number three. And I know you need guys. You traded Tyreek Hill. Byron Pringle went to the Bears. Demarcus Robinson just signed with the Raiders as well. So they're very thin at wide receiver, and they don't have a number one. So the best option is going to be a Travis Kelsey. And I'm going to say this uh, right now, that in fantasy, you know, if you're planning ahead for fantasy football, or right now, Travis Kelsey, he will be gone in the first round. Somebody in your league will draft him, so it's better you or somebody else, because he's been the number one tight end in fantasy uh, for quite a while, and I expect it uh, to be him, especially in the red zone, where they used to run kind of some dynamic plays with Tyreek Hill, the jet sweeps. I think those days are over. They'll get dynamic, but Travis Kelsey will be involved in just about every play in the end zone. If it's not a direct pass to him, we have seen him take direct snaps, throw touchdown passes, Uh, catch little shuttle passes from Patrick Mahomes. So look out for that. Again, I don't love the Chiefs signing this receiver. I want to see what else they do in the draft. Uh, You know, do they go out and get a Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams at the 29th pick? If those guys are even still available at pick 29, I mean, I know they they got the first-round pick, but it's, you know, one of the worst first-round picks that you can get. Uh, since it's that late in the draft. Uh, but on the flip side of this, 
this is just another wound on the Packers offense right now. Uh, gone is Devontae Adams. Gone is Marquez Valdez-Scanley, who Aaron Rodgers seemed to love. And when there was reports of him joining another team, not only did he want Devontae, but he kind of wanted MBS uh, to join him as well on a new team. So I'm looking at the weapons that the Packers have, and there's none. It's Lazard. It's Randall Cobb. And I feel bad for Randall Cobb because he took a huge pay cut, and he's you know going to be the number one or number two option on the team right now. But I expect this team to be much more run-heavy if they don't draft a wide – I'm sure they will draft a wide receiver. But – even with the wide receivers they draft, they're not going to be Devontae ready, number one ready. Uh, I don't expect it. But at least they'd have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, a very solid backfield to kind of ease, you know, the pressure off Aaron Rodgers. And speaking of contracts for wide receivers, I believe the reason that, you know, Devontae Adams got so much money, you know, Tyreek Hill got so much money, is, you know, we're placing the blame on somebody, and that's Christian Kirk, and all the money he got from uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, which was not deserving at all. It's kind of like in the Avengers when, you know, they're meeting with Nick Fury on the helicarrier, and they're like, you know, you have so many nuclear weapons, why do you need to build more crazy weapons, you know, Stark and Banner are asking Nick Fury. And he points at uh, Thor, you know, because of him. And, you know, you have all these uh, coaches, you know, asking why why do you need so much money? And they're pointing at Christian Kirk because of him. A number two, number three, I'd say he's a number three wide receiver, number two at best got a four-year, $84 million contract at $21 million a year. That At that time, before the new deals for Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, he was like the third highest paid wide receiver in the league. Uh, he was paid more than Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, a Cooper Cup, uh, Odell, Julio, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, almost every uh, wide receiver in the league he was paid more than. I forget the two. I think one was DeAndre uh, Hopkins at the time, and I forget number two. But the wide receiver market was reset because the idiotic Jacksonville Jaguars, who are the missed, most mismanaged franchise in the history of the NFL, decided to give out four years $84 million to Christian Kirk, who has not once in his career, in his four years, had a 1,000-yard receiving season or has had 10-plus touchdowns in a single season. It was mind-boggling to me that he got so much money, money guaranteed as well. He reset the wide receiver market for not even being the top dog. He wasn't the best wide receiver on his team. DeAndre Hopkins was, and deservedly so. So you want to blame people? Blame it on Christian Kirk and the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, for that ludicrous 
contract. I don't know how he got so much money. Uh, I think it's just a Kirk thing. Uh, I call Kirk Cousins con artist Kirk. That's what he is. Steals money. This offseason got a contract extension with more money guaranteed. I mean, he's always getting his money. And look at this. Christian Kirk, another con artist Kirk out there. It just might be. It might be the name. Um, maybe I should change my name uh, to Kirk and all of a sudden, you know, I'll ask for, you know, an extension, a raise at my job, and they'll just exceed my expectations because my name's Kirk. Uh, but it, it's it's a joke. Uh, now there's not just one con artist Kirk in the league. Uh, there are two con artist Kirks in the league. It, it's kind of getting out of hand with this. Uh, do I think Christian Kirk is going to be the best wide receiver on this team? Is he going to have a 1,000 yards, 10-plus touchdowns? No, I don't see that happening. Even with the progression of Trevor Lawrence, I do not see Christian Kirk being worth the contract that he got. Uh, cannot believe it. But, hey, he got his money. Now, more on Tom Brady. I was and wasn't surprised when Tom Brady went to the Bucks. I know I talked about this on my previous podcast, how happy I was for Tom Brady to go back. But I was one of the few believers that thought, you know, he was going to come back. But I thought it was going to be with the 49ers. Uh, and you had all these reports coming out that, hey, Tom Brady – could be eyeing to go to the 49ers. You know, they asked, uh, some reporters asked George Kittle, hey, is Tom Brady going to be a quarterback? And he said, no comment on that. Uh, so there's reports of that happening. There's reports of Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Uh, the love was lost between those two guys. Then there was an even crazier report of Tom Brady linking up to the Dolphins and Sean Payton being the head coach, uh, Tom Brady wanting to beat Bill Belichick twice a year, but that kind of fell through with the Brian Flores lawsuit. And so all these reports, it just circles back to me one thing. Tom Brady never really wanted to be done playing football. Uh, I believe he wanted to go to the San Francisco 49ers where he was a 49er fan uh, growing up, you know, near the San Francisco area in San Mateo. Uh, That did not happen. You know, I believe, uh, you know, two years ago, the Shanahan uh, Lynch shut him down. I believe the same thing happened this year. I believe he was kind of prying, you know, putting his feelers out there, his resume. And I think they said, hey, we're good with Trey Lance. We love this guy. Uh, This is a guy we traded all these draft picks for to get at number three. And our backup plan is Jimmy uh, Garoppolo uh, if we can't trade him. But I think in the end, it's going to come back to bite uh, San Francisco. Because I do think that Trey Lance – will be a good quarterback in this league. 
But to take a bet on him like this in year two, you don't know what you're fully going to get from a 17-game season. To me, it is worrisome uh, because this was a team on the verge of going to the Super Bowl uh, this year. Uh, Narrow, close loss to the Rams. Couldn't get it done. I believe Brady is the quarterback for that team. They make it to the Super Bowl, and they probably win the Super Bowl. So, again, it is a big bet to take on Trey Lance. Now the question is, hey, Tom Brady, he's not leaving the Bucks now. Uh, he's been recruiting. People have resigned because of him. So he's going to stay with the Bucks. And the great thing is also about Tom Brady is when he's restructuring his contract, he's not adding any years uh, to an extension at all. So after this year, he will be a free agent. So, you know, the question is, is Tom Brady going to make a public announcement like, hey, this is probably going to be my last season, or is he going to want to play one more time with someone else, another team, and try to be the first player uh, to ever win three Super Bowls with three different teams. Uh, Von Miller is also going to try to do that this year uh, with the Buffalo Bills. But it's going to be interesting. But still, with Tom Brady being back, the Bucks are the favorite in the NFC. Now I want to get into something. Because, you know, the past few weeks, I talked about on my podcast what each division, teams in the division, need to do to sort of improve, get to the next level. And I've got to say, uh, I maybe a lot of teams are just listening to the Get Your Go podcast, or maybe I should just be some kind of uh, executive or, you know, analyst for one of these teams, because a lot of these teams did exactly what I told them to do, at least uh, the good teams. A lot of them, you know, were lined up with my thinking. What did some teams do that I told them to do? Let's start with the Bills. I said the Bills had the number one defense, but I said it wasn't the strongest number one defense that they had. I said they need to go out and get another defensive playmaker, add to that defense to make it a little bit better. And what did the Buffalo Bills go out and do? They went out and got Von Miller, another great defensive piece who is a defensive playmaker. That's what the Buffalo Bills did. They said, we're to give this man six years, $120 million. I believe a lot of it's for the first three years. So after uh, three years of the six years, they can kind of uh, cut him loose with not a lot of uh, big cap hit or a casualty or anything like that. But the Bills made a very, very smart and wise investment. Uh, and then I believe on the offensive side through a draft now, uh, I believe they can draft another wide receiver after cutting Cole Beasley. Who knows if they want to take another gamble on a running back. But the Bills did what they told them to do, so I'm proud of them. What else do teams do? The Cincinnati Bengals, this was a more obvious one, but they needed an offensive line. And did they go out and retool their offensive line? We talked about the Chiefs last year, very terrible offensive line, and they kind of retooled it on the fly much improved uh, 
And that's exactly what the Bengals did this year. Went out to get Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, three bona fide stars right there on the right side. Now you've got your center, your right guard, your right tackle. I mean, you're kind of set now. You have three superstars on your offensive line uh, to protect Joe Burrow because they've got the weapons. They've got some good defensive pieces. The weakest link was the O-line protecting Joe Burrow, who was sacked 70 times between the regular season and the postseason. And the Bengals restructured their offensive line. Kudos to them. What else? Pittsburgh. I said they need to go out and get a quarterback. What did they do? They went out and got Mitch Trubisky. Now, is he the best quarterback on the block? Is this a game changer? No. But I believe if they don't get Mitch Trubisky, and they stay with a Mason Rudolph type guy, they're looking at Mike Tomlin's first losing season in Pittsburgh. With Mitch Trubisky, they are a 5 team and who knows if this is it for them if in the draft they decide to add a bit more competition here with a Kenny Pickett a Malik Willis Sam Corral or Matt Corral who knows or Sam Howell who knows but Pittsburgh at least shored up and made a little bit more clarity there adding Mitch Trubisky go Pittsburgh what I say the Browns needed to do same thing I said the Browns needed to go out and get a quarterback, because I said Baker is clearly not the guy anymore uh, there. And the Browns went out swinging. Was it a trade I agreed with? No, uh, but they went out and got a quarterback. They got Deshaun Watson, uh, who last time we saw him in the NFL, led the league in passing yards and completion percentage with no DeAndre Hopkins and a terrible offensive line. Now he's got a weapon in Amari Cooper. We'll see if they add another one. See if they can kind of get Jarvis Landry to come back on a cheaper deal. See if OBJ is really interested in a reunion to play with Deshaun. Uh, And he's got a much better offensive line and two-star running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So the Browns, another team that swung for the fences. We'll see uh, if this move pays off. Another team I said need a quarterback help, the Indianapolis Colts. I said, you tried with Carson Wentz, but you need a little bit of an upgrade. So the Colts, they got a little bit of an upgrade. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, a much more proven quarterback from Carson Wentz. You know, five years ago, Matt Ryan was the MVP of the league, had a 28-3 lead. I'm the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. And what happened, the team kind of fell apart. The offensive line fell apart. Devontae uh, Freeman, who was a star running back, had no running game. Julio Jones with injuries. And the team was never the same. Now, uh, he gets to kind of reinvent himself. Do I think the result will end in a Matthew Stafford-Tom Brady move in a Super Bowl? No, but I believe the Colts can definitely win this division and get a playoff spot behind one of the best offensive lines. Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs. And he's got decent enough weapons that he kind of had uh, with the Falcons. So 
again, the Colts listened to me and said, let's marginally upgrade. I mean, Phillip Rivers was much better than Carson Wentz. Phillip Rivers got them to the playoffs, and Phillip Rivers was nothing special that season. Uh, he just didn't have, you know, the detrimental game or uh, that Carson Wentz had against the Raiders and the Jaguars in back-to-back weeks that cost him a playoff spot. Las Vegas Raiders, they listened to me. I said, they need to go out and get a real wide receiver number one. Uh, after the release and looks like jail time of Henry Ruggs, uh, I said, Hunter Renfro, great slot wide receiver, Darren Waller, tight end. But you need wide receiver number one. Not only did the Raiders get a wide receiver number one, but they got the number one wide receiver in all of football. In Devontae Adams, they got, to me, the best route runner in the NFL, the best release in the NFL, the quickest release in the NFL, uh, the best catching in the NFL. Devontae Adams is the real deal. He is the package, and the Raiders got him. And when I look at what the Raiders gave up, Compared to what the Dolphins gave up, the Dolphins gave up a lot more for Tyreek Hill than the Raiders did for Devontae Adams. But the Raiders got a better product in Devontae Adams than what the Dolphins got in Tyreek Hill. So, again, great move by the Raiders. Great, great move. What did I say? The Dolphins needed to do. I said the Dolphins needed a quarterback. They went out to get uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And is Teddy Bridgewater the greatest, you know, prize out there in the claw machine or the best fish in the pond? No. But what did I also say? The cor- a quarterback needs to be brought in just for some competition so that Tua isn't complacent. We saw the Dolphins, you know, a year removed when they were one game out from missing the playoffs, similar to like they were this year. But Tua had competition. He had Ryan Fitzpatrick, and those two were pushing each other, and the team was, but end result was better for it. I believe Tua got a little complacent. Now they add Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, So it's going to add a little fuel under somebody's fire to go out there and get the number one job. Brandon Staley of the Chargers was listening to my podcast too. I told him, how about you get defense? You need to be a little better. How about you short for defense? And they shorted up all right. Uh, trading for Khalil Mack, signing J.C. Jackson. There you go. They said, we're going to compete in this division uh, with Mahomeboy and with uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders and the Broncos. Guess what? We're short up the defense. We like our offense, but let's shore up the defense. Go Chargers. Broncos. I said the Broncos need a quarterback. They got the weapons in Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry, Judy. Uh, Better offensive line than a lot, you know, just right there. Uh, Average, a little bit better than average. In defense, you know, secondary, loaded. This team is good. But they're a quarterback away. And they go out and get... Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited, as he calls himself. 
the Broncos go out and get Russell Wilson, Super Bowl champion Russell Wilson, to add to this team. So this makes them better. As I said, this division is insane. Every game should be prime time. Uh, The Broncos got their guy. Now it's up to them to deliver. Russell Wilson says, hey, the goal is to win three or four Super Bowls in my time in Denver before my career is over. So we'll see if he fulfills uh, that promise. You know, we've heard lofty promises before. Uh, LeBron James, you know, D-Wade, you know, we're not here to win one or two or three, you know, just going on about that. So we'll see uh, if that is the case or not. But the Broncos made one of the best moves of the off season. What else? Commanders got a quarterback. Now, was it the quarterback I wanted them to get? No, Carson Wentz is not the guy, but the commander's got a quarterback, so I'll take it for myself. Green Bay Packers. I said they need to clear up some cap space. They need to get creative. A lot like Tampa Bay uh, gets creative with their cap space. The Packers straight up cap space, but not in the way I necessarily would have done so. They traded Devontae Adams. Uh, Okay, Uh, that's not a good start. Uh, They... Cut Marquez Aldez Scanley. They released Siderius Smith. So they did tell him what I told him to do, free up cap space. And I'm not mad about it because it makes the road for Tom Brady and the Bucks that much more easier. But I'm a little surprised at how the Packers got about freeing up cap space when teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been restructuring contracts and making it work. Uh, the Packers, you know, went a very Severe, different route. What did I say the Saints need to do? Uh, get a quarterback. They re-signed Jameis Winston. I'll put that upon myself as well. And then the Buccaneers. I said they needed the quarterback if the team is still intact. And the GOAT unretired. Tom Brady announced on retirement. And here he is. The Bucks are back in business because Tom Brady is their quarterback. So, again, maybe Tom Brady's listening to goats associated with goats, but that is the case. The Bucks got better with Tom Brady clearly unretiring than they would have been with anyone else. You know, there were rumors, and there's still rumors, of Baker Mayfield, you know, getting traded, being the backup there, because uh, who knows what Tom Brady will do next year. Uh, When he hits free agency, will he retire? Will he try to maneuver to a different team? Who knows? But a lot of teams listening to get your goat, or maybe I deserve to be an executive. Now, who, you know, just off the cuff are some of the most improved teams? Well, Chargers, very improved. That defense, you know, didn't get just a makeover. They just powdered, you know, makeup onto their face until it's transformed into a totally new defense. And I believe they're going to be better for it. The Broncos got their star piece in Russell Wilson. Uh, They have, I believe, you know, wins above replacement war or expected, you know, wins 
they're number one now. They gained the most expected wins, you know, what they would have had with their current situation compared now to Russell Wilson. Raiders are a big one. Uh, getting uh, Devontae Adams. I mean, the Bengals as well, restructuring their offensive line. So many teams did so much good this offseason. This offseason has been crazy so far, and we're still not done yet. Big names still to be signed. You have the NFL draft as well. So this offseason is far from over. And I believe the drama is still uh, far from over. It is going to be a great still, you know, next few weeks of the NFL offseason uh, leading up uh, to the NBA uh, or NFL draft. Now moving on to the NBA. John Morant is going to be out for rest of the regular season. Uh, sidelined due to knee soreness. He's missed three uh, straight games. The coach says they expect him to make a full recovery. Uh, and I believe this is a smart move. This season, Morant has missed 18 games. Memphis is 16-2 and two without them, without him. They just beat the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving, KD playing, no John Morant, and they won. This team has a lot of depth, and it's smart because this team's very good without John Morant, but they're not winning the NBA Finals. They're not going toe-to-toe in a seven-game series with the Suns or the Warriors if Ja isn't in. Their NBA Finals hopes at rest on the shoulders of John Morant. So to me, it makes sense. He's been carrying a big load for this team. It makes sense for them uh, to shut it down the rest of the regular season, where to me, they're kind of locked in. I don't know if it's an official lock yet, but they're as close as they can get uh, to the number two seed, uh, which is, is as high as they can go uh, now. Uh, they do have a couple of tough games coming up, the Bucks, the Warriors, the Suns. So we'll see how they fare without Ja. If they can win a few of those games, uh, this tough stretch, I believe they can get the number two seed, uh, which will benefit them uh, come playoff time where they'll face the winner of the first play-in game. And then if they do get Golden State, uh, they at least have home uh, court advantage. So this is big for the Grizzlies. It's much bigger, though, for John Morant to be healthy when the playoffs do arrive in the next few weeks. What else is happening in the NBA? Well, the Phoenix Suns clinched the best record yesterday, uh, beating the Denver Nuggets 140 to 130. Devin Booker dropping 49 points on the anniversary of his 70-point game. Chris Paul returned as well. So they clinch the NBA best record. But is that a good thing uh, to clinch when we're looking at it in a historic perspective? And, you know, usually when you bet, it's either you bet on the best team or the field. For example, with this March Madness tournament, Gonzaga was the number one overall seed So do you roll with the Zags or somebody from the field? 
I rolled with somebody from a field. I'm going to win because Gonzaga is out of a tournament. Number one overall seed. Again, I'll talk about them in a minute. But same with the Suns. They clinched the best record. They're going to have home court no matter what through every single playoff series. But is that a good thing, historically speaking? No, it is not a good thing. Uh, I am going with the field. I am not picking the Suns to win at all. Preseason, did not pick the Suns. You know, midway through the season, did not pick the Suns. I still am holding on uh, to the Bucks winning it. But let's look at a history of some of the top seeds in and how they fared throughout the playoffs. Last year, the Utah Jazz, top seed, best record in the NBA. Did the Utah Jazz win the NBA Finals last year? No, they did not. They were ousted in the second round to a, a Kawhi-less Clipper team, and the Bucks won it all. What about the year before, 2020? The Milwaukee Bucks, top seed in the NBA. Didn't work out for them. Swept by the Heat. Lakers won it all. 2019, the Milwaukee Bucks were yet again a top seed. Did they win it all? No, the Raptors beat them in the conference finals, and the Raptors won it all. So look at that, three years in a row. The top seed has not won the NBA Finals. What about 2018? The Houston Rockets were the top seed with one of the most electric offenses in the NBA with Chris Paul and the great James Harden. Those two on a team, but did they win the NBA Finals? No, the Warriors beat them in the conference finals, and the Warriors ultimately won it all. And guess what? This team on the Suns, very similar to that Rockets team, great offensively. You have the great point guard, shooting guard duo. The Rockets had uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Guess what? Chris Paul's now five years older. He's got Devin Booker now. Uh, is that a sign of things to come? Chris Paul has never been the most clutch player in those kind of series. So look at that. The past four years, the top seed has not won at all. And you look at 2017, the Warriors with Kevin Durant would have a top seed. They won both. What about 2016? Oh, yeah, the infamous Golden State Warriors broke the record for most wins in a season. We're the top seed. Did they win it all? No, LeBron, Kyrie, Cleveland Cavs won it all. There was a stretch there. Uh, of three years, you know, the Warriors did both in 2015, Spurs 2014, Heat 2013, but 2011-2012, the Bulls were the top seed back-to-back years. They did not end up winning the NBA Finals. The Mavs won in 2011, the Heat in 2012. 2010, the Cavs were the top seed, LeBron James and the Cavs, but did they win it all? No, they didn't even make it to the NBA Finals in which the Lakers one and historically from the year 2000 to now only seven top seeds have won it all i mentioned a few but some other ones i did not mention uh were the great celtics team of 08 with paul pierce kg ray allen uh the great spurs team of tim duncan uh tony parker and the lakers 2000 uh with the shack kobe duo so it is very rare for the number one overall seed, the top seed in the NBA, to win uh, the NBA Finals. So recent history, the past 20 years, is telling us that 
history is not on the Phoenix Suns side. And I do not believe that the Phoenix Suns will be winning the NBA Finals this year. I'm glad they clinched the best record. Congratulations to them. They're a great team. They have a lot of depth as well. Uh, A solid lineup. But when I look at teams that can beat them, I'm looking at bigger teams. I'm looking at uh, the Bucks, who last year, if we all recall that series, uh, Giannis dominated because there's nobody on the Suns to guard Giannis. DeAndre Ayton can try his best, but he is not in the same league as Giannis. Another team, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant. Nobody can guard the seven-foot shooter Kevin Durant on the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker is too small. DeAndre Ayton does not have the speed and the skill to do so. When I look at him the West, if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were to come back, that's a team I don't think uh, the Suns can beat. When I look at uh, another team that can match them, I believe it's the Suns and or that can match the Suns, it's the Warriors and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies can match the depth, and they actually, to me, exceed the depth that the Phoenix Suns have. And the Warriors, if everything's clicking, it's just the shooting. So they clinch the best record. Again, congratulations. Is it going to be an easy road to the finals? No, it is not. And, you know, last year, they flew under the radar. A lot of teams dealing with injuries. But they flew under the radar. They weren't the best team or had the best record. Uh, So they kind of, you know, just racked up wins. Now there's a target on their back because they have the best record and they are the reigning Western Conference champions. So they have a more sizable target on their back than they do last year. Now, Phoenix, I believe, will wrestle some of their stars, try to get fully healthy for playoffs. I don't think teams are going to get them that good of a shot leading up to the playoffs. But come playoff time, it's going to be a lot tougher. I do not think the Suns are going to win it because there's been better teams uh, that have uh, better teams in the Suns in the past that have not won uh, the NBA Finals is the top seed in the NBA. So history is not on the Suns side, and I am not on the Suns side. But tonight, I am picking one game. That is the 76ers and the Clippers. And I am picking the 76ers uh, to win this game. They have been playing really well recently, beat two good opponents. uh, The Heat, the Lakers, uh, and now they're playing the Clippers, who are on a four-game skid. I believe the Philadelphia 76ers uh, win this game is... The West Coast trip continues. Uh, they play the Clippers tonight. Then on Sunday, they play the Suns, which I will be in the building for, rooting for Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and crew at the Footprint Center. That will be a fantastic game. But I believe the 76ers get the win tonight, uh, and they go on with some momentum there. I guess another game I'll pick as well is the Golden State Warriors and the Hawks. I know. No Steph Curry, but I'm still picking the Golden State Warriors. To me, the Hawks are too uh, hot and cold right now. I mean, they'll beat a team like the Knicks. They'll come back and win, but then they'll lose to the Pistons 
by 21 points. So this Atlanta Hawks team, it's very, very, very inconsistent. Uh, I don't know how they can be this inconsistent where they beat a team uh, like the Memphis Grizzlies. Then they lose to the Pelicans. They beat a team like the Knicks, and then they lose to the Pistons, again, the worst team. So uh, not a lot of sense, you know, is being made with this Atlanta Hawks team. Uh, And I believe they lose again to the Warriors uh, tonight. Now moving on to just one note in the MLB. Uh, Manager for the Dodgers, Dave Roberts, guaranteed a World Series title this year. He said the Dodgers, he said, I guarantee the Dodgers will win the World Series in 2022. He quoted that. He said that. I'm here to say now, officially on record, that the Dodgers will not win the World Series. I counter what Robert says. I'm going for any team, you know, all 29 against the Dodgers. I'm picking any other team to win the World Series. I mean, they had a great roster last year, the Dodgers did. And to me, they have better pitching last year than they did this year. They have a better lineup this year, but their pitching is not as deep. Uh, and who did they lose to? They lost to a team that could hit in the Atlanta Braves. Uh, so, again, Roberts can guarantee all he wants, but there is no way uh, that they are winning of a World Series this year. Not on any team's watch this year because – other than the pandemic year, the Dodgers have fallen up short so recently. So you take that pandemic championship away, I believe they're still uh, without a ring. And if that was played with fans, they don't win it that year. Another note, can the NHL end its season uh, right now and we can just go into the playoffs? Because to me, uh, this would be the most perfect playoff matchups uh, that I would want. Why I get at least in the Eastern Conference, which is all I care about, because being a Pittsburgh Pain one fan, Florida, you know, best team in the East, plays the Washington Capitals right now. Got to expect Florida wins that game. I like it. Carolina, the top seed in the Metro, plays the uh, first wild card team, which is the Tampa Bay Lightning. The only two teams I'm really scared of my Pittsburgh Penguins playing is Carolina and Tampa Bay. So for one of those two teams, to go out in the first round, that's amazing. It's great. Toronto-Boston, great matchup. And then my Pittsburgh Penguins get to play the chumps down the street. And the New York Rangers have shown no life in a horrendous five-on-five. They can only score on the power play or when Igor Shosturkin uh, steals games for them uh, because they're just horrendous on five-on-five. I mean, they are Arizona Coyote level bad on the five-on-five. Uh, play. Uh, So I will take my chances with the New York Rangers right now. I know my team can go toe-to-toe with them. Uh, You know, my team matches them. Sidney Crosby, Geno Malkin, uh, Jeff Carter, Kasperi Kapitan, Brian Rust, Gensel, Jari. They outmatch the Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, Shesterkin, Fox, Rolls, of the New York Rangers, the Pittsburgh Penguins are superior in every way. That playoff series were to start right now, Pittsburgh were to win. Oh, and guess what? 
we get a glimpse of that first round series, which I believe it will be those two teams in the first round. We get a glimpse tonight. The Penguins and the Rangers play tonight. I don't really need to make a prediction. No matter, you know, if they play a hundred times, I'm picking the Pittsburgh Penguins to win a hundred of those 100 times. And I believe the Pittsburgh Penguins will win tonight. So when it comes to the New York Rangers or any team that plays Pittsburgh, I'm not picking against my Penguins. Not now, not ever. Uh, And I'm happy that Jari's in net because the weakest link on my team is the backup goalie of DeSmith, uh, which gave up a terrible loss against the Sabres in a shootout. But Jari is playing tonight. My team will be beating the New York Rangers. And then finally, March Madness. Yesterday, more, more madness. Michigan came up short. I was sad about this being a big Wolverine fan that they lost. But, you know, they only had themselves to blame. 7 of 14 on free throws. Shot 50% from the charity stripe. They can't do that. Uh, They need to do better. And they missed so many layups. So many layups, uh, and it was kind of hard to watch at times, you know, them, you know, Musa Diabate, Hunter Dickinson, and, you know, in the lane, and they just miss layups. But to me, this wasn't the most crushing loss of Michigan. I was much more upset last year when they lost to UCLA, when they were the number one seed, or, you know, when they lost to Villanova in the championship game, or Louisville, or other times, or Oregon in seasons past. Why? I wasn't as sad last night as I have been in the past, because they were 17 and 14. Uh, they had a really inconsistent year. You know, I had high expectations preseason, but come March Madness time, what I saw from this Michigan team, I didn't have that high expectations. I expected them to get out in the round of 32 to Tennessee. So they exceeded my expectations by making it to the Sweet 16, by beating Tennessee, and playing Villanova really, really tough. So is it the season you wanted? No, but they get a hang their hats high. Michigan had a good year. Can't say anything bad about Eli Brooks last night uh, because without him, we wouldn't have been in the game because he was the only one uh, that could hit three-pointers. Caleb Houston, non-existent after you know the first five points that he scored uh, as well, and nobody else uh, could shoot any threes. I thought my defense was terrific, held Villanova to 30%. From the three-point land, you know, 9 of 30, which was terrible for them. Uh, The field goal percentage, they only shot 37. So, you know, it was a defensive game. Uh, Michigan missed too many shots. I'll hang my head high because, hey, they're one of the 16 best teams in the March Madness uh, field. Because who else exited the same round, same day as them? What about the number one overall seed, Gonzaga? Look at Gonzaga. Zero titles. They have won the uh, March Madness zero times ever, and they have been the number one seed seven times as well. So Gonzaga, again, that's a much more disappointing loss if I was a Zag fan. That Gonzaga lost that game. Again, it is March Madness. Arkansas, a team I didn't even have coming out of the first round. I thought Vermont could beat them, and it was close. Arkansas has been playing in close games. They upset 
Gonzaga, I mean, great win uh, by them uh, to upset the number one overall seed. I'm happy to see that. I love upsets. Uh, so congratulations to the Razorbacks. Duke won. Happy about that. And then another game that just put a smile on my face the rest of the night was Houston upsetting the U of A. That's what I love to see. I love seeing that. Down goes a U of A, their fraudulent team. Uh, Kirk Creesa, a terrible the past two nights on his sprained ankle. Should have been playing. Uh, ben Matherin, after a great game against TCU, could not find any rhythm last night against a great Houston defense. Uh, again, Arizona had a worse shooting night than my Michigan Wolverines. Uh, they scored more points, but they were worse from the field at 33% and worse from three-point land at 31%. So I'll take my chances. Uh, I thought Arizona was overrated all year long, just like Gonzaga. And the common denominator they have is the coaches. Tommy Lloyd of Arizona, longtime assistant coach of Gonzaga. Yes, he learned how to recruit, play a good regular season under Mark Few because that's what Mark Few and Gonzaga does. But every year in the tournament, Gonzaga comes up short. That's why I never pick Gonzaga to win it all, and I never will. Guess what? The protege comes to Arizona, and he does the same exact thing. Can you believe it? He loses in the same exact round on the same exact day of his mentor. And they had very similar seasons. They had the... Mere record, you know, only four, three losses coming into the game last night. Uh, two of the best teams, and the same thing happens now. To me, Arizona's more historically has not been as great the past 20 years as Gonzaga. Gonzaga's at least made it to some national championships, whereas Arizona seems to have not made it past the Elite Eight in over 20 years, and I knew they weren't going to do it again this year. I am happy to see that, especially being a Arizona State University alum and the big rival is the U of A. So nothing makes me happier than to see people, you know, walking around in their U of A shirts, touting we're going to win it all. This is our year. Even my own family members all polling for U of A, some of them switching on their hometown team of Michigan to root for the U of A. And then to watch this blow up into people's faces, I, I love to see it. I really do. Uh, I enjoy seeing teams like the U of A touted so good, you know, lose. it. Go Houston. Go H-Town. This one was for Beyonce, for Megan Thee Stallion. Uh, go Houston. But tonight, will, be, will there be any more upsets? St. Peter's, can they pull off another shocker? and beat Purdue the 15 seed against the 3 seed? I say no. This is where their Cinderella story comes to an end. I mean, St. Peter's uh, and teams like this that are high seeds, usually you have all that adrenaline after, you know, you beat the 2 seed. Then you go in and you're just on fumes and you're on this high and you win again. Now that you have it a week off, this is really going to test you. I believe it'll be a close game, but in the end, uh, Purdue is the better team. Uh, Purdue beat St. Peter's, even though I'd love to see St. Peter's win. Because I don't want Purdue to be the last Big Ten team standing. Providence and Kansas. This is a very tricky game. Uh, you know, Providence, 
got a team plane from Robert Kraft and the Patriots. So look at that. They have the backing of the New England Patriots, one of the great NFL franchises. But does that mean much? No, I believe Kansas will win. They are the last number one seed standing. I don't believe all number one seeds are gone before the Elite Eight. I think Kansas can pull out a win in a very close game. To me, what will be the best game? North Carolina in UCLA. And to me, a lot of this, I want to go with UCLA. But to me, a lot of this depends on Jaime uh, Jaquez Jr. for UCLA. How well does he look? He's dealing with a sprained ankle. Does he play? And if he does, how effective is he? North Carolina, you know, just beat the number one seed, uh, Baylor Bears. But this, to me, this is a blue blood test right here. North Carolina, UCLA will be a terrific game. Uh, but again, Jaime Jaquez, how effective will it be if he plays? If he does, if not, the load's going to have to be carried by Johnny Juzang who can definitely carry this team to a victory. But this is going to be a phenomenal basketball game. I barely have UCLA winning, but I am very nervous if Jaime is not playing. And finally, Iowa State and Miami. And if I got to tell you, I've got, I have Iowa State winning. Uh, I saw the Miami beating Auburn from just about a mile away, especially with how Auburn finish this season with how they started where they were number one. They were the number one team for a while and they just sort of faltered uh, down the stretch of their losing to Texas A&M uh, in the tournament. Uh, but before that, you know, losing uh, to Tennessee and Florida in a few games. So their final stretch wasn't that good. So I saw that Miami win, but the Iowa State win to me. That was a wake-up call that, wow, this Wisconsin team, which I thought was better than what it was apparently, uh, wasn't Iowa State. So now you have two double-digit seeds meeting in the Sweet 16, 11 Iowa State, 10 Miami. So you're getting at least one double-digit seed into the Elite Eight. Uh, Miami is a favorite, but I think that the upset is going to go to Iowa State. Iowa State wins this game, and this is the one upset we see it will be Iowa State, and we'll have our uh, Elite Eight matchup set. We'll have a fantastic Houston-Villanova matchup, Arkansas-Duke, and I believe uh, in the end it's going to be a Kansas and uh, Iowa State, which will be interesting uh, because those are divisional foes who meet twice a year. That should be a great game. And then we'll get UCLA and Purdue uh, in the Elite Eight. So good matchups, good matchups tonight. But that's who I have uh, coming out uh, tonight. So March Madness has been great so far. Not only has it been the March Madness of the, you know, college basketball world, but also in the NFL world, it has also been March Madness with this free agency in offseason period. So this has been Get Your Goat. Talk to you all soon. Hope you have a great weekend. Bye, everybody.